I'm here with uh, Sister Mary Fidelis, a poor Claire perpetual adoration out in Tonopah, Arizona, just outside of uh, Phoenix, at Our Lady of Solitude Monastery. She is the formation director, we could say, in charge of formation here for the monastery. Yes. And so you work a lot with uh, young women. How do you describe this life? You, you don't have your monastery built yet, so you don't have the cloister, but you live a contemplative life. So, Sister Fidelis, tell us, uh, what do you tell young people who are interested in life? How do you describe the contemplative life to a young person today? I think it's good to start by showing the beauty of the contemplative life, by explaining it as uh, a life totally given over to Christ and His Church, to live a hidden life of prayer and sacrifice in community, um, a life for us as poor Claire's perpetual adoration, it's a life of Eucharistic adoration. So being at the feet of our beloved 24, 7, 365, it's a beautiful and great privilege to live that kind of life. And I, I think you witnessed to that belonging to the Lord. How, how would you describe that? I mean, I know Mother Angelica talked a lot about a, the spouse of Christ, right? It's a spousal union. How do you describe that? Well... Um, yeah, there's a, a definitely, especially I experienced it most profoundly at my final profession. Um, when the priest puts the ring on your finger and, um, and that total being totally given over that sense of saying totus to us, like, Lord, I'm totally yours and having him respond back and I'm totally yours. There's a, 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 a self-giving on, um, from the Lord, obviously, he's given himself to us so completely. And then to have the opportunity to give yourself back to him completely, it's, um, it is a, a, a spousal love that um, really comes to fruition as we live our life. And you are experts on prayer. <laughs> and I know you, Teresa Avila even talked about struggling with meditation uh, do you meditate? How do you meditate, or how do you approach prayer? Well, it's funny because just the last few years, I've started to approach prayer differently. Um, so I like to approach it as a way of relating, um, relating to my beloved, and so um, in a very human way, um, not putting on. You know, I think I. In the beginning stages, it was more I have to say these certain vocal prayers, and I have to accomplish this. Um, in prayer. And then as I've grown in, in my prayer life and in the religious life and um, lived so close to him for so long, I've realized it's that I have to allow myself to be conquered by him in prayer. <laughs> you know, what I really have to do, the only thing I have to do in prayer is to open my heart to receive from him and to, to relate to him, um, my heart, to listen to him, um, to just be with him. And I think that's that's key to the living the contemplative life. It's not doing, it's being. It's who we are, and it's remaining close to him. So it's not as if we're going to be constantly be bathed in consolation and have this real tangible sense of he's speaking these words to me or, you know, um, but it's it's really about cleaving to him and remaining with him, remaining near him, um, an image I like is just resting my head on his heart and just listening to his heartbeat and knowing that that is, is 
pleasing to him, and that's where he wants me to be that, in that intimacy, that nearness to him. And how would you describe uh, the Blessed Sacrament, his presence there, to maybe who's, to someone, maybe a Catholic or not, who doesn't really get it? Well, um, it's funny because I think, you know, you read a lot of the conversion stories. People will say, I went into a Catholic church and I just knew something was there, you know, or that someone is there. Um, but, yeah, he's veiled, and sometimes we can rebel against that and say, oh, I, I wish I was one of the apostles or the disciples and I could see him. Um, but it's an act of mercy that he's veiled. How could we really bear his glorified presence, you know? And so it's it's his love that he remains veiled there beneath the appearance of um, bread and wine. But he's truly present there, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And um, I think if we spend time in adoration, we know that is true. You know, we can't deny that. And I see that the contemplative life is a real call, a challenge to live by faith. Um, because, you know, we can be very active in our apostolates and we can achieve things that people can recognize and praise us for doing something good. Talk about the faith that's demanded in a contemplative life. Yeah, um, it's challenging at times, especially when, you know, you want to stroke your own ego and have, you know, all of these, you know, you want to have your checklist of wonderful things that you've accomplished throughout the day, but you know, all you have up there is, well, I made dinner for the sisters and I uh, cleaned a few bathrooms or whatever. Um, we do really humble, hidden work. And yet um, it is it is an act of faith to say, uh, I do believe that, that my life is, first of all, for the glory of God and that it brings him delight to his heart. And that secondly, um, my life is, is spent um, for the good of the church and for um, the salvation of souls, and really believing that we'll see that fruit in the kingdom, um, and offering as an act of faith and as a further sacrifice the desire to see it in this life. You know, we're human; we want to see that. Um, we're also women. You know, speaking as a poor Claire, we're, we're women, and so there's that maternal aspect of our hearts that wants to nurture, that wants to see our children, and to know, um, you know, that we can give that back to the Lord and and to keep um, through our life um, being that sense of mother and bearing. Um, life and knowing that an eternal life will see those um, souls face to face. And what what do you like about the life when you first entered, and how about now? Um, it's funny when I first entered, there was definitely I love being a part of the family. You know, I came from a loving family, and to live amongst the sisters in the community life. Um, but I found silence and solitude really difficult. I'm really talkative. Well, I mean, now, 20 years later, I'm still really talkative, but <laughs> I really am loving the solitude. Um, I find myself um, just a beautiful freedom coming through that silence and solitude. And I just praise God for, like, he knew that, like, he allowed that to develop in me. And it's been such a slow growth. Um, but really, it's where I feel the freest is when I'm alone with him and growing in that deeper sense of solitude with him as solitude as companionship with Christ. And and you are out here in Tonopah. You're in a very rural area. The wind howls, beautiful sunsets, <laughs> a stark uh, view around us. Talk, talk about the desert and 
the effect it has on people. Yeah, well, you know, I think I remember you said one time, everything in the desert is prickly. <laughs> There's nothing soft here. <laughs> and I think about that sometimes when I take my walks. Um, you know, there is there. It's not, you know, the cushy um, kind of plush um, land like we came from in Alabama or um but there is such a beauty there there isn't much to distract you um you naturally look up um and naturally raise your heart i mean there's a reason why the lord um you know was went to the desert and he was tempted there and he um fasted for um 40 days there and and we're surrounded by mountains here and i think there's you know you realize why the lord went to the mountains there's a, a sense of a natural sense of solitude a natural sense of um, the beauty, like you see a wildflower here and it just screams to you. What Sister John Mark was saying, um, she took all these beautiful pictures of these wildflowers and she said they were each screaming to me. But there are these tiny things that everywhere else you would walk by and not notice them. But this little burst of color amidst the sandy and um, or the sunsets. I mean, it's the beauty is so poignant and so striking. And it's, you know it naturally raises your heart to God. Yeah. I, I was watching, you have beautiful sunsets out here, and I was watching one the other night, and and it was getting dark, and uh, the stillness just seemed to, because you weren't being like super stimulated, mm-hmm. and it was almost like you could kind of enter into the abyss. I kind of thought to myself, <laughs> you know, try to find yourself there, and but it was very peaceful. I mean, in the world... You know, modern world, we're so stimulated all the time, and we can't seem to enter into an inner quiet, right? Well, I think it always strikes me, like, when um, a group of kids will come out, or the college students, uh, like, from ASU, when they would come out, they'd say, I can hear the silence. Like, they're, they've been they've been in the middle of this huge university and, you know, the hubbub of the city, and then they come out here, and it's like, what do we do? You know, like there, there is that sense of like, you suddenly um, experience things so differently. Um, it's almost as if like each moment is, it's allowed to be captured. Like it's almost in slow motion. It kind of reveals itself slowly. There isn't the rush. There isn't the um, noise to distract you. And, um, and to be honest, we've been out here about four or five years and you don't get like, it, it doesn't get old, you know, it's like the beauty every day is so new to me and the quiet is so striking. Um, yeah. I, I love even the sound of just the footsteps. Like you walk out in the field, so to speak, and just the little gravel crunch, there's something, <laughs> yeah. there's something so evangelical about it. You just feel like some missionary going somewhere with the, that it's like walking on cereal because it sounds like you're walking on cereal <laughs> yeah like your footsteps are thunderous i mean you mm-hmm. take note of even something simple like that but, well thanks so much for chatting with us okay thanks father